Hello and welcome to the Country Roads Podcast with Blue Gold Sports. I'm your host, Lane Shepard. Today we're going to cover the Texas game, kind of go over what happened in that, big outcomes, positives, negatives, just kind of thoughts after that. Uh, dive into a few questions that we got off Twitter and preview the Iowa State Cyclones who are coming to Morgantown on Saturday. So, thoughts, you know, post-Texas. Disappointing uh, in a lot of ways because... It felt like West Virginia had a chance to win that game in, in the third quarter. I mean, the the opening drive, get seven points, have the lead is great. But it felt, you know, at halftime and then that third quarter, hey, West, West Virginia can win this. And the game kind of got away from them. And, and it uh team wasn't able to really, I think at the end of the day, when you look at it, didn't take advantage of opportunities that were there, and I'll talk about that a bit more. And lost, you know, drastically lost the turnover battle. You know, in my preview last week, I said West Virginia would have to be pos- at least plus two in turnovers to win the game, and would have to win significantly on special teams. And West Virginia wins significantly on special teams. We're going to get into that a little bit later as well. Um, when you look at the game, I thought. We're going to start with defense. I thought the defense did an excellent job of limiting Texas' big playability. When you look at Sam Ellinger and what he's able to do and the talent that he has and then the receivers and that Ingram running back, which at one point Western Union bangs him uh, pretty hard. He leaves the game. He does end up returning. Texas didn't have a lot of big plays. They did a very good job, I thought, of limiting Ellinger on running for for big uh big gains on third down and picking up uh picking up times when you know the coverage was good you know being able to extend and you know the drive it happened I think it was in their first drive he was actually able to do it but not not extensively it wasn't it wasn't a huge it wasn't the problem that I've seen a lot of defenses have with him you know LSU struggled with it and obviously like Law Tech and some of their you know easier opponents and such have not you know, weren't able to contain him at all. But it was, you know, even Oklahoma State did do a very good job of stopping his ability to pick up, you know, key third downs with his feet when the coverage didn't allow him to throw the ball. But, and I thought the defense hung in there exceptionally well, really right to the end until they got put in several really tough short short field positions on some of those turnovers. The, The defense played well against an offense that, very few people thought Texas uh, that West Virginia would play well against. They, you know, the line in the game was pretty big, and there was a reason for it. Is on paper their offense looked like a juggernaut compared to West Virginia's defense. I think the the big downfalls, you know, the defense has is they only they did they just created one turnover. I mean, the second one would have been key, but I think biggest one is third down. There was a. a drastic inability to get off the field on third down their conversion rate was just too high if you're if you're trying to you know upset the number of living team in the country and they weren't while we got West Virginia got it there was a lot of times where it just felt that the coverage just wasn't tight enough on the on those key third downs and that was the issue whether it was man in some situations in zone Texas was able to extend their drives by making and finding the holes in Western Union's defense, you know, on third down. And that I I still think Vic Coning 
is getting more out of the, the players that Western Union has on the roster right now than what the majority of coaches or what they should be able to. They're playing above above their level right now. And I, if you look at that defense, when you flash back that Missouri game, I wouldn't have expected the defense to be able to hold Texas to what they held them you know, after that performance. So in that way, it, it, it was a big positive. I, they kind of broke there in the fourth, you know, after, uh, after a couple turnovers, you know, the, on short fields. But they also, I, I don't know how much more you could have expected from the defense in, in those kind of scenarios at this point with you know what we have in the roster and you know some Giovanni Stewart obviously not playing and he's done for the year he's decided to leave the team you know that was a big loss obviously for Saturday and some of the key you know losses in the offseason this defense is it's trending upwards and and I was happy to see that and I was really I mean one thing that I wasn't sure they'd be able to do but Western New was is still had three sacks and a lot of tackles for loss that I didn't know we would be able to get against Texas with their offensive line. Good offensive line with great size. I wasn't sure if Western would be able to continue that trend. And that's something they were. And they, you know, a lot of them weren't on blitzes. They were on normal, you know, just beating one-on-one plays. Which was awesome. And that's what really West Virginia is going to have to do to put their defense uh, different to, you know, take take the next step. When you slide when you slide the offense, there, there's a couple things that stick out. Um you know, we'll, we'll I'll get to Kendall here in a second, but I think the the key things that I look at when you look outside of the turnovers with with, um, with Kendall are Texas ran exceptionally light box defensively the whole game, and what I mean by that is is the box uh, refers to how many players Texas has immediately around the line of scrimmage. So it's between our two offensive tackles, their shoulders. And then you essentially go seven yards downfield in the Texas territory. That's the that's the box, five to seven yards, something like that. The majority of the game, Texas had five, maybe six players in the box, which is not a lot. Typically, you have seven um, against teams you think are really going to run the ball well. Eight. Uh, so you really just had your D linemen and some of the linebackers. They weren't using a safety to support on. Um, on the run very much and typically they had a linebacker or two helping in pass coverage so what's disappointing about that is texas either was more scared of western New's ability to throw the ball and the playmakers or they just assumed that their linebacking core and front you know front uh, defensive line were going to be able to you know handle western New's offensive line and you know western didn't really prove them wrong they weren't able to run the ball, and, and that'd be that. That would be kind of one of my bigger disappointments of the offense is if the box is that light and there's that few many people in it. I want to see you take advantage of it, and I know, hey, we did throw for 367 yards, and that's 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 a lot of yardage, uh, but but we rushed, you know, again for under 100 yards, and that's a situation where a let you know it wasn't you know. West Virginia could have run the ball almost the whole game. Once you get in the fourth corner, okay, they got to kind of throw it to, to catch up and try and get back on the you know ahead of Texas. But you know, third quarter, you know, the whole first half, West Virginia struggled to run the ball even with that that with Texas banking on you know only putting five or six people in the box, and that's 
if this offense is going to be able to compete with elite teams, you have to be able to run the ball when there's five or six defenders in the box and run it well the whole time. So while the offensive line did a good job of protecting um, in pass protection and not letting that, that stiff Texas front get to Kendall, they weren't able to get sustained run blocks on one-on-one situations to, to take advantage of what, you know, the, the Texas scheme there. Um, another thing was, you know, key point, you know, in the third quarter, Keith Washington picks off Ellinger on that, in that interception, returns it deep into Texas territory, and West Virginia only gets a couple yards and has to kick a field goal. That was a place where West Virginia had to get a touchdown. They If they were had any chance of coming back to win that game, needed to be. It needed to be a touchdown, and they just they struggled. You know, it was a really bad possession that just didn't go, didn't go well at all. And that's something where, hey, if you're gonna try and beat the number eleven team in the country, you have to take advantage of situations like just like Texas took advantage of West Virginia's turnovers. They had twenty one points off West Virginia turnovers, and West Virginia had three, uh, three points. So. That's a massive, a massive tilt. So the big, the big kind of question, they got a bunch off Twitter and you know, Facebook when we put the question up, what do you want to hear about the podcast, is a lot of it obviously centered around Austin Kendall. Because if you look at that box score, or if you just you know clip on West Virginia's uh, you know, ESPN highlights, or you know honestly, majority of the people at the game, you look at the, the stat sheet and you see Kendall, okay, three touchdowns, 367 yards, but then you see four interceptions. And what does everybody think? Oh, well, that's why Western New loses. And, and in fairness, Texas had 21 points off those three interceptions. But I think if you just look at that box score or you just kind of quickly watch the game and said, oh, he threw four picks, Kendall threw that game away, no pun intended, it, it's either you either don't, you didn't really watch the game. Or study, go back and watch a second time, or you're just being kind of lazy in your analysis. Because if you go back and watch those those four picks, while no coach is ever going to condone interceptions, those not all the four of those interceptions are bad. And I, I've said this for a long time, and I'm not the only one. Not all interceptions are made equal. For instance, the second interception where, which is the one that goes to Sam James and Kendall threw it's a deep ball and. You know their uh, their TB just makes an incredible athletic play. It actually made Randy Moss's uh, "You Got Moss" number one play of the week on Monday Night Football. That that's effectively a punt. Now it wasn't on fourth down. I think it was first down. But that deep ball where Texas caught it and they took possession of it. I mean, it's effectively the same thing if West Virginia punts the ball and they fair catch it. It's about the same territory. Really, no difference at all. They got the ball, you know, deep in their own territory. So, would you prefer to have not been interception? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'd, obviously, you know, duh, or, you know, Sam James makes a catch. But it's not as damaging as a different one. So, and I also think the first pick and the other three are completely different quarries. The first interception is 100%, no questions asked, on Kendall. Texas, uh, you see Kendall takes his pre-snap read, looks at the defense, 
linebacker for Texas is in the box. As Kendall's adjusting, he slides out. Kendall does not account or adjust for him. So when the receiver comes up and in the box, he throws it and he just throws it right to the linebacker. It's a bad interception. It, there, there's really no way around it. It was not, it was as poor of one he's thrown this year. But that interception compared to the second, third, and fourth are not even close. They're not even close. The fourth one, if you go back and you watch them, and I, you know, I went back and I watched this, uh, the majority of the game, and specifically these four picks, the receiver breaks, and he breaks in a different direction from what he's supposed to. So Kendall throws the ball pre him or right as he's about to, to make his cut, anticipating him to cut one direction. Receiver cuts out towards the sideline. So when he throws the ball, instead of it hitting the wide receiver in the chest, it hits a Texas defender in the chest. Well, so if you're watching the game live... And the first time I saw it, you're like, oh my gosh, what the heck? That was terrible. If you go back and watch it, and also, you know, it helps, you know, Coach Brown said in his press conference, he ran, receiver ran the wrong route. That is 100% on the wide receiver. In the same way that uh, um, in the third quarter, West Virginia has a key third down, Kendall makes a great throw right before Sam James makes his cut. He cuts right on an out route towards a sideline, doesn't look back fast enough. And, you know, Kendall bops him with the ball because, you know, Sam James isn't looking for it. It's the same thing. Elite quarterbacks are going to throw the ball anticipating the cut that they know the receiver's going to make. They know what the routes are. They know where they're going to cut and where they're going to break. And that's how you make completions. That's the biggest difference between, I'm going to get into this some more in a second here. When you talk about, you know, quarterback level or quarterback play at high school level, college level, NFL level. Elite quarterbacks, if you're going to make it the NFL, you have to be able to throw to receivers before they're open. You cannot wait till they are open. And in both those instances, Kendall did that, and the wide receiver screwed it up. Sam James didn't turn around and look fast enough on one of them, and he just kind of caught the ball and just, like, just smacked him, not looking for it. And the other one, the receiver cut the wrong freaking way, and it leads to an easy interception for Texas. Those are not on Kendall at all. The second one, which is one where they, you know, I was talking about earlier, was similar to a punt. That's a deep throw. And if you go back and watch that, it, he could have thrown it a little tighter, which they call, you know, kind of like proverbially like throw it on a rope. He lollipopped a little bit more, so a higher arc than what he had to. But the difference between that ball being in position where the Texas defender can make a play on it, and it being a perfect throw, is about a foot. So his throw is a foot off on, I think it was like a, like a 40-yard, 35-40-yard attempt. That's not a terrible throw. I In a game situation, how many people, how many quarterbacks at any level, pro, college, guys you know, running for the side are throwing balls and can be that accurate every time. The Texas player just makes a heck of a play. And in all honesty, Sam James does not do a good job of fighting for that 50-50 ball. When coaches teach wide receivers, your first job is to get open, you know, know your route, catch the ball. But your second job is you make freaking sure that DB doesn't catch it. 
if it's a 50-50 ball, you catch it, or you make freaking sure their defender doesn't. And if you and if you go back and you watch, there's an easy interception for Keith Washington early in the game where he's got it. He cuts underneath the Texas defender. Ellinger throws it a little short. It's about, ironically, a foot to two feet shorter than it should be in the end zone. Keith Washington's got it all day, and that text receiver jumps over and just clubs Washington to make sure he does not catch that ball, which is exactly what they teach him to do. And if he doesn't, that's an easy interception for West Virginia. I mean, it, it just as easy as the one he had later in the game. Ironically, that interception that Ellinger threw was just almost just as bad as the, the first pick that Kendall threw. He throws that into... There's three West Virginia defenders there. There's the corner and both safeties because there's nobody else deep on that route, so they all converge. It was a free-for-all for that ball. It was a terrible decision by Ellinger. So, and then the third interception of the of the three that you know I'm contending you know weren't bad on Kendall's part. The third one is is the most questionable. It's a slant. It's third down. If he leads the receiver slightly, 12 inches, the Texas player has no... It's very hard for him to make a play on. He certainly can't intercept it. He can kind of get maybe reach, get his hand around, bat it down. But by him putting it slightly behind the receiver, like in the backside of his chest, he didn't throw it behind him. He threw it to kind of the, you know, his chest instead of leading him. It allowed the Texas defender to get a hand, bop it up in the air, and kind of make a play on it. But it's still not a terrible throw. Is it what you coach him to do? No. But it's a few inches off. It's not awful. And my point on this is not that, you know, it's not as you know, not his fault. It's that all these calls where people are, you know, you look at Twitter and Facebook, everyone's just irate and screaming, get him out, get him out, get him out. It's ridiculous. If you go back and you watch those, that's a ridiculous thing to do. First of all, there's a reason why he's in there. And there's a reason why he's starting. Because if he wasn't, if there was somebody who was that much better, who isn't, you know, isn't 12 inches off on a 40-yard route, or, you know, isn't hitting a guy slightly, you know, behind where he should be on a, on a, on a slant route, then that guy would be starting over Kendall. He'd already be there. Because that's West, you know, Coach Brown's putting the quarterback in right now who's giving the team the best opportunity to win. Yes, he made a terrible decision on that first pick. But those last three are not awful interceptions. The, the third one he threw is more avoidable. He can lead that receiver better, and then Texas has no chance of making that interception. Second one's tough I mean that that's a good throw it just wasn't a great throw a great throw yeah he doesn't make a pick but I'll be honest you can go back and you watch you know Will Greer and Will Greer is a better college quarterback no questions asked but I mean those that second third and fourth pick those are easily those are throws Greer made last year I watched every throw he made several times those are those are throws he made. He didn't lead guys perfectly. The second and third interception, Texas just made two of the most impressive interceptions I've probably ever seen. Specifically that second one. 
you had elite level players make elite plays. And that's going to happen sometimes. They'll coach him, try to change him, show like, hey, on that slant, you got to lead him more. But it's not the disaster you think it is. You know, our four interceptions, the reason why West Virginia loses that game, yeah. I think it's a massive portion of it. Not all of it. You know, I two missed field goals, not getting a touchdown after that Keith Washington interception, and not being able off the field on third down also play into it. But I think when ESPN throws up highlights or somebody just wants to see a quick tagline of like, oh, Texas won, I wonder why. It's just easier to say, oh, well, their quarterback threw four picks. But if you go back and you watch all four of those, I, they're not, they're not that bad. And they need to keep going with Kendall. Is he the guy? He is right now, for sure. Because I also tell you, if you go back and you watch his JMU game versus Missouri, NC State, Kansas to now, he's made big strides. Very big strides. And his receivers are not doing him a whole lot of help right now. Tight ends haven't done anything. I mean, how many catches do Haskins and O'Loughlin have on the season? And if I if I was going to quiz you to say, and I was going to say, right now, tell me who West Virginia's possession receiver is. Not the big play guy, because obviously I think the easy answer on that has been, oh, Sam James, you know, he's been electric and that. Is it really in the passing game? No. You know, you know, Sam James has made some incredible plays, like that, you know, that first uh, the first drive touchdown he had. But a lot of them are on they're on screens, they're on, you know, reverses, they're dynamic plays. He's not a true possession receiver. When West Virginia says, hey, it's third and seven, we have to we gotta throw the ball to someone. Who's West Virginia throwing it to? There really hasn't been a guy who stepped up and said, it's me. I'm the guy. I'm the lead wide receiver. Push comes to shove. When we have to get a first down, I'm the guy you throw it to. TJ Simmons at times has looked like that guy, but he hasn't really separated himself. So can Kendall's play get better? Yes. Does it need to? Yes. Yeah, I mean, the the second and third interception are avoidable. He can be better. And the coaching staff is going to work with him to be better. But he's got to get some help, too. Offensive line did a much better job of protecting him in that game. But the receivers have to make plays. How many balls we drop against Texas? My goodness. I mean, they've got somebody in that, in that wide receiver core has got to separate themselves and say, I'm going to be the alpha. I'm going to be the guy that when we have to play, have to have a play made, I'm going to make it. And guess what? Now it's tougher because if you heard Sean Ryan had had surgery Tuesday morning and he's going to be out, they do expect him to return. They do not have a timetable, but Coach Brown was clear that he does believe that he will be back to play this year. And Sam James, who's been kind of West Virginia's electric playmaker so far this year, is questionable for Saturday. He uh, He's... They're not sure he might get announced on Thursday whether he's going to be able to to play or not, but he's questionable. So that's not going to make it any easier on Saturday against a team that's you know given up about 22 points per game. So all in all, 
the offense had did some things very well on Saturday, and some other things they struggled with. You know, the running, running, not being able to run the ball, I think is almost as much to blame as as some of these other faults. When when are four interceptions worse? Yes, but you you got to be able to get more than you know seventy eighty yards a game on the ground if you're gonna win. You know, unless you're throwing for four eighty. You've got to be able to get more than that on the ground. Have to. And that's that. That's going to be the next progression. So one of the other things I got asked about on Twitter, and I think it really plays in this well, is, you know, people have asked, you know, about, you know, the kicking game. And Evan Staley, you know, like, miss, he misses two field goals in that game. And why, you know, why doesn't his play get questioned at all? What I would say is this, is that, one out of three field goals in that kind of a game is it's killer. I mean, it, it is. And the 47-yarder is about the range, is at very much at the edge of the of, uh, of range for Staley. He had the length, but he was wide. The 36-yarder, you got to have it. I mean, you have to. You really, I mean, obviously that 47-yarder would have, you know, having that extra six points would have been, you know, a huge game changer at the end. But the idea where people go like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm questioning this. You missed against the game Kansas. Like, why is he in the game? I'm like, well, to be, you know, straight up, if, if West Virginia had a better kicker, they'd be kicking. That's just how it goes. I mean, this is Coach Brown's first year. He hasn't had the opportunity to bring in, you know, his own, like, a, a new kicker. He's going to. He's recruited some. And I'll say this for as far as special teams, the amount of effort and the amount he talks and they work on special teams is more than any other West Virginia coach I've I remember. Cause the Holgerson era, it was filled with some pretty horrendous special teams play. Rodriguez and Stewart, they had a couple good years. I mean, Pat McAfee kind of, you know, carried the team a bit there on uh on the and then the kicking, but when was the last time West Virginia was great at special teams? And I'm not saying West Virginia is great yet, but if you look at how our kickoff coverage, punt coverage, the kickoff team punt, it is far better. And there's been vast improvement in those categories to what there has been in previous seasons. And I that's very exciting because I think that is an area where West Virginia has lost games. And I, I kind of, you know, it said in previous articles I've written, I think Holgerson lost a game a year on special teams. At least. Sometimes, you know, maybe two. I mean, Stewart lost. I mean, how do you not remember that Colorado game at Boulder where we completely wasted time to give McAfee. We blow the uh, time at the end of the game to give McAfee a chance to kick a long field goal to win. I mean, one of the biggest special teams blunders I've ever witnessed in my life. And... My point is this, is that, I mean, if Staley's kicking, he's the best kicker we have on the roster right now. So there's probably nothing changing there. But the reason I bring up the commitment level and how much the other teams have improved is, is that I think that shows you how much and how hard they're going to look to make sure that Western Union's next kicker is very good. And, look, you know, we went out, we got a punter. So far, that's been very good. Uh, that's been a great, uh, a great uh, pickup for for the team. So 
hold tight. Uh, I know it's, you know, what, seeing him miss one against Kansas and then two against Texas is pretty, it makes you nervous, but I, I think you're going to see West Virginia special teams make leaps and bounds in the next few years as far as, as far as quality. So, I mean, uh, that I would be, I would be shocked if we did not. Uh, I did want to take a uh, quick break here before we uh, preview Iowa State. Highlight uh, some of my sponsors that help make sure this podcast is, uh, you know, can come come to Mountaineer fans. Uh, Ashley O'Brien, she's a realtor with Realty One Group Coastal of Charleston, South Carolina. If you're thinking of relocating, you can reach Ashley at ashleyelizabethcollection.com. Also bringing the, the podcast to you this week is We Band Lawn Care, providing homeowners with the beautiful lawn they truly want and deserve. You can get a quote today at WeManUSA.com. And within the state of West Virginia, they have locations in Tays Valley around the Charleston area and the eastern panhandle of West Virginia, as well as many of the surrounding states. So if you get on, on WeManUSA.com, you can go on there and request a quote to get you a beautiful lawn that you've really been looking for. So this year... Iowa State coming into town Saturday. Cyclones. Well, it's they're kind of a tough team to read. I mean, right now they're ten and a half point favorite. I can't imagine the loss of Sean Ryan and Sam James being questionable is probably helping that. But man, they're they're a really odd team to figure out what the heck is going on. Preseason, you look back, and you know, pretty much everybody had Oklahoma and Texas, you know, hey, that's that's gonna be the class, you know, of the of the Big Twelve. And then it's gonna be kind of some groups below that. And there was an awful lot of people that thought Iowa State could be the top of that of that next tier. Maybe not good enough to contend and get in, you know, with Texas and Oklahoma, but they'd be right there behind it. And you know, could they be a team that maybe, you know, pick up an upset and you know, be able to get to the Big 12 championship, you know, instead of the, uh, you know, the you know a rematch of the Red River rivalry. And they have not lived up to that so far. They, you know, they were ranked, they were, you know, ranked preseason. First week of the season, they, they struggled terribly against Northern Iowa. They need three overtimes to beat them. And, and Northern Iowa is a good FCS program, but not... Top 25 teams aren't supposed to go to three overtimes at home against FCS program. Now, they come in three and two. They just delivered a beat down to TCU, which is another Big 12 team that's it's kind of a head-scratcher that you know I thought was going to be much better than, than who they are and so far have not looked at it. You know, they, had, they had, did have a tight loss at home to Iowa. They blew out UL Monroe, and they lost at Baylor. Which, by the way, the Bears are a sneaky five and five and zero. I mean, Matt Rule is making uh, make definitely a run for uh, Big Big Twelve Coach of the Year. You know, having the Bears at five and zero, so it's gonna be interesting to see how how Baylor does down the stretch. That's pretty pretty impressive. Uh, at quarterback, they return Purdy, who you know Mountaineer fans probably sadly remember as last year the freshman quarterback who kind of came in and helped orchestrate that upset of Will Greer. And the Mountaineers out there in Ames. Uh, thankfully, they don't have David Montgomery. He has used all of his eligibility, and he's now running back for the Chicago Bears because that guy haunted us for years. Um, but Purdy's having a nice season. He's off to a good start. He's completing 70% of his passes, 10 touchdowns, 
two interceptions. And where this team gets interesting, and Iowa State, especially with the 3-3-5, was not a great fit against West Virginia previously. They just had the ability to keep the ball away from us, pound the ball, and use their running game and slow-moving offense to just kind of milk the game away from us. And you saw that last year names. And they had that blackout. It was a pretty crazy atmosphere. And West Virginia did not handle it well. And you come to this year, they're only averaging 159 yards on the ground. Their leading rusher is actually is Purdy. It's a quarterback. They really haven't had a running back kind of you know, stand out and distinguish themselves. So their offense is it's looking a little different from has in previous years. But so is West Virginia's defense. So I like the matchup of where our defense is against their offense compared to previous years. I think we're going to have a better opportunity to get them off the field and make plays. I really think where this game is going to come down to is our offense versus their defense. They're only averaging about 22 points per game. You know, they're going to get some – their offense is going to be able to score. They have some playmakers. You know, Purdy is quite good on his own, and he's able to spread the ball around. So West Virginia is going to have to – have to put some, you know, probably 25, 28 points on the board at least to win this game. Ten and a half point favorite. I I like to think Western Union can keep it closer than that. I do. I think Iowa State, it, it's going to be tight. Western Union is going to have to probably win the turnover battle to, to win this game. I don't think this is a game where it can be even or Western Union can be negative and they have a chance. Um, similar thing, you know, special teams could come up big, but this is something I think Western has an ability here or a situation where they could they could really frustrate Iowa State's offense. And if they can do that, it can take some tremendous pressure off Austin Kendall and the offense and give them the opportunity to not have to score on every possession to win this game. You know, the offense last week kind of against Texas put themselves in that position. Because, you know, four turnovers. You know, it, it kind of put them in a spot where they, you know, they almost forced it upon themselves. But look for some, look for a good bounce back. I, I think West Virginia plays well. I think it's tight. Hopefully they can pick off a win. Um, I have a lot of faith in this this coaching staff. You know, Vic Coning has done a tremendous job with this defense. And I think Matt Moore in the offense, it's moving in the right direction. It, it, it's tough. It's going to be really hard throwing the ball without Sean Ryan. And if Sam, Jam, Jam, Sam James doesn't play, that's that's going to be big. Because Tevin Bush hasn't done anything in three games. He got suspended since SC State. and I mean, i got to look at the roster half the time to see if he's even still playing right now. So who's going to make plays for Western East offense? I think a lot of this is going to fall on the defense to keep Iowa State off that you know off the scoreboard is really what's going to come down to so all right well enjoy the game on saturday i think it's gonna be a great one thanks so much for listening this week uh please you know rate review subscribe let your friends know uh you can follow me and our you know the website blue gold sports on both twitter and facebook my twitter handle is lane shepherd 72 feel free to reach out to either blue gold sports or myself let us know what you want to see on the podcast let us know you know what you like to have more information about uh previews anything you like thank you so much and have a great night